Today we're going to do a little problem solving. I have a couple questions that I want to address that I've seen recently on social media. Questions that deal with documentation and questions that deal with accommodations. So let's get right into things and see if we can solve some of your problems. On Mickey Teaches, College Disabilities and Success, Episode 88, Problem Solving Q&A with Mickey Hayes. The opinions in this podcast are my own, but please reach out to your college, physician, or legal services for additional information. So my first question is, will the college take my IEP or my 504 plan? Back in the day, colleges would not even look at an IEP or a 504 plan. But things have changed a little bit. Most colleges will consider an IEP these days to use to establish that you indeed have a disability. But because every college is able to do its own thing and set their own guidelines for documentation that they accept and require, the IEP may or may not do a lot of good for you. Now, in most cases, as I understand it, If you have an IEP, you can at least get some extra time to take your tests and to be able to take your tests in the test center or a distraction-free environment. But what if you want more? What if you want a note taker? What if you want a calculator? What if you need a reader? What if you need a scribe? What if you need to use some sort of assistive technology? What kind of accommodations then would be available to you if all you have is an IEP? Probably not much. A lot would depend on what the IEP said and how extensive it is in identifying your disability and your needs. Most of the IEPs I've seen have objectives and that you either met the objective with a certain percentage or you didn't. And if you didn't, then you continued on with that same objective next time. But it doesn't say specifically numbers. The data on an IEP is usually very, very limited, virtually non-existent, at least in the ones that I've seen. Now, 504 plans can be even more problematic because 504 plans often don't even identify what the disability is. It simply says OHI, other health impaired. So if that's what your 504 plan says, don't be very surprised if you take that to a college and they can't use it because it doesn't even have any sense of what your disability is. Colleges are always looking for the diagnosis, and they either need it in words or they need it in codes, and they prefer codes, DSM code or ICD codes. Either one will work. The DSM-5 is the most recent edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, and the ICD-10 is the most recent edition of the International Statistical Classification of Diseases and Related Health Problems. And both of these books provide the qualifying criteria in order for an individual to be identified with a very specific type of a disability. But if it's not on there, and it's not usually on an IEP or a 504 plan, it's not going to get you very far. That's why you need additional documentation on top of that. Now, I would still take it, and I would still ask, and I would find out how much your college is willing to help you and support your child with an IEP or a 504 plan, but you may end up having to have additional testing done to determine more specific information and more specific need. And that testing will not be paid for by the college. Now, sometimes colleges have special rates 
or they know people who know people. They have connections and contacts of people who do testing for special discounts or sliding scales, something like that. So it's worth asking if they have a resource that would evaluate you. So the next question that usually follows is how much will testing cost? Well, I will tell you this. Testing will vary from a couple hundred dollars to several thousand dollars. I think the most expensive test that I heard of a student getting cost $6,000. And unfortunately, even paying $6,000 did not help. That child's disability was not evident, and paying more doesn't guarantee that you're going to get the information you think you need. A lot of times the cost of testing depends on the types of tests that they give. Now, there is testing that they can do for screening, very simplified testing, and that usually only costs a couple hundred dollars, but it may be enough for your college to use. It may be enough to get you a diagnosis. So definitely talk to the college and find out exactly what they expect, what kind of testing they would like done, and if they have any specific tests that they look for. Now, good testing will always have an IQ because you need an ability level, and it will have academic and cognitive evaluations also. And then the psychologist who does the testing will look at the IQ and the ability level and compare that to the performance level, to the academic and the cognitive levels, in order to determine the significance of the disability, if it's a learning disability. So there's information to be gained but you want to find out as much information as you can from the disability services at your college before you pay thousands of dollars for testing that you may not even need. So definitely talk to disability services first. I've had people ask if they will have to pay for accommodations. Now the answer to that is no. You should not have to pay for any accommodations. However, I do want to specify that colleges do not provide personal care attendance. So if for some reason, be it physical or academic, your child needs some sort of a personal care attendant, that need will have to be met and fulfilled by the family. It is not fulfilled at the college. I've seen personal care attendance for physical needs when an individual has significant physical disabilities where they need assistance with toileting or that kind of need. But I've also seen it for significant autism where they may need somebody to help the student maintain a focus. But any kind of personal care attendant would have to be paid for by the family. And you also need to talk to disability services about them and make them aware of that need. So my next question is, What happens if I don't reveal my disability at the beginning of the semester? Many times, students don't want to. They want to keep it private. They don't want anybody to know that they have a disability, and that's their privilege to do that. But as the semester goes along, occasionally, those same students decide, maybe I better do something about this because they're not passing or they're struggling too much because of their disability, and they need accommodations. Is it too late to get them? The answer to that is no, it's not too late. If your child doesn't get the accommodations at the very beginning of the semester, they can be added throughout the semester as needed. But do understand that if the child is failing a class or has not passed tests because they did not seek out the accommodations they needed, 
then any accommodations only apply moving forward. You cannot go back and repeat those failing grades because you didn't have accommodations for them if those arrangements hadn't been made beforehand. Now, when I met a student who hesitated to get accommodations, I always encouraged that student to register with Disability Services and to make sure that they were ready to go so that if they did run into a problem, they could get right back to Disability Services and they could simply have their accommodations prepared and delivered ASAP. And they wouldn't have to go through the entire process of getting documentation, having Disability Services read it and evaluate it and determine the accommodations. That part would have already been done It was now just a matter of getting that accommodations paperwork and taking it to the professors. Now, along that same line, what happens if your child talked to the professor and the professor says, oh, don't worry about it. I'll just give you extra time. We'll make sure that's taken care of. And your child's thinking, great, I don't even have to go to disability services. The professor's going to take care of it for me. Then you're about halfway through the semester and the professor says, no, I don't think we're going to do it this way because I think we should just stop doing that. Now what? Well, here's the thing. Since you did not get the accommodations through disability services in the first place, disability services can't help you with the problem. You're on your own at that point. Now you can go back to the disability services and you can ask them to make those accommodations for you. If they can give them, if the documentation supports that accommodation, then they'll probably be able to go along and do that. No problem. But as before, it won't be retroactive. It will only be from that point forward through disability services. Now, if disability services gives you an accommodation and the professor says, no, I don't think we're going to do that, that's when disability services can step in and say, yes, you are, because this is the accommodation the student is entitled to. So then you and the faculty and the disability services can have those conversations and figure out the best way to address everybody's concerns. But the reality is, if the disability services did not provide the accommodation, they cannot go fighting for you on your behalf with the deans or anybody else if you run into problems. That's why you always, even if you start with the professor and talk to the professor about your disability and your needs, you go straight to the disability services office, get your accommodation, paperwork through them, and take that accommodation paperwork then to the professor. And that makes it a legal chain of events. And that's what you need in order to get continued support if things go wrong. So you want to make sure that whatever you're doing, you're starting with disability services to get those accommodations. Now, another question that I have is, will the faculty see my documentation and paperwork? Will they get into my file and see what information disability services has on me? That answer is no, faculty will not see your file. Faculty should not see any of your documentation. Faculty should not even be given your diagnosis. They are simply given your accommodations and understand that disability services have done their job and evaluated your materials and determined that these accommodations are necessary. So you should be rest assured that faculty will not have access to your paperwork. But if you're not positive, talk to the disability services at the college of your choice to verify what I'm saying. But that should be the case. Now, another question 
well, what happens if I get my accommodations and I don't think I'm being treated fairly? I'm unhappy with the way the disability services is handling things. I'm I'm unhappy with the way the professor is handling things. For whatever reason, you're not happy with the situation and you take that situation to the dean. Well, that's what you should do if you are not happy. If you're not getting the solutions you need from disability services or from the professor, then that's what you should do. However, there are some steps that you want to follow. First, talk to the teacher and disability services to try and resolve the problem. See if you guys can reach a reasonable solution that everybody is satisfied with. If that doesn't work, then talk to the dean and you'll probably be advised to reach out to either an equity officer or a school ombudsman or somebody that the school has determined to act on your behalf when you have an issue or a grievance. Now, every school is going to have a grievance policy to follow, and it's usually going to be online somewhere in their information. It's going to be in their catalog in most cases, but there is a grievance policy to follow. So you want to seek out the grievance policy that your college has in place. Now, grievance policies can go so far, but if they still do not satisfy you, then you always have the right to reach out to the Office of Civil Rights. If there's a problem with your education and you feel that you are being discriminated against, then you go to the Office of Civil Rights, go to their website, and do a little bit of homework and reach out to them and find out how they want you to proceed because they'll want you to send them a written explanation of the circumstances and then they'll determine if it is a justifiable criticism that you have and if they can help you and take it any steps further. But you try and address the problem at the college with your professors, with disability services, with the dean, with the equity officer, with the ombudsman, whoever happens to be there, And then if all else fails, then talk to the Office of Civil Rights and see if they can help you. You just never know. You may end up getting some satisfaction to your problem. If you have other questions that you would like answered, please send me an email. I'm at mickeyteaches, M-I-C-K-I-E, teaches at gmail.com. And I will be happy to address your question on a future episode of the podcast. If you need other information, please check out my website at mickeyteaches.com. That's M-I-C-K-I-E, teaches.com. If you're new to the whole college game and you're just starting to investigate things that you need to know about sending your child to college, check out my ebook that I have for you. I have about 35 questions with regards to college that you should either know the answer to or ask disability services about. So you might want to check out those questions, and I will make sure that link is in the resources as well. In the meantime, have a great rest of the day, and we'll talk again soon. Bye. Information contained throughout this podcast has been gleaned from my own personal experiences. But to ensure accuracy, please contact the Disability Services at the College of your choice to have first-hand information and the most up-to-date policies and procedures followed by your particular institution of higher education. The content in any of these podcasts is not intended as a substitute for information from legal educational or medical professionals. Always seek the advice of your attorney or qualified health care provider with any questions you may have with regards to legal, educational, or medical concerns.